This is the Doctor Who Podcast, and you are most welcome. Hello, this is Trevor in the UK, James in the UK, and Ian in the UK. Well, actually, the other two are always in the UK, but Trevor's in the UK. Hello, this is the Doctor Who Podcast. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was yeah. actually quite high energy. It was the most high energy one we've done for a very long time. It was. So, so where did you get the idea of saying your geographical location from just after your name? It, it just came to me. It really... I, I, I'm a fountain of originality. Well, yes, I can, I can only aspire to be as original as that. <laughs> but yes, listeners, welcome to another edition of the Doctor Who podcast. And for the first time ever, so this is quite a thing. Oh, you stop fidgeting. I'm... I'm... I want to look at my merchandise. You need to concentrate when we're recording. Yes, we're in the same room, so I can see Trev not paying any attention to when I'm speaking this time, rather than just hear him. I am listening, but, I, but I've also got a bag full of merchandise to play with. <laughs> <laughs> call it in Australia. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm not going to edit it. It's going out, it's going out, yes. Anyway, this is, this is the first episode we've recorded since season eight has finished. Trevor, you're looking at your T-shirts now. It's not mine, it's Alex's. Look at that. Oh, That's it's awesome. You better describe... Oh, Ian, describe what Trevor's holding up. It's a T-shirt in blue with a TARDIS on the front. Isn't it awesome? Alex will love that. Yes. I'm sure Alex will love that. This, this is your son, isn't it, Alex? My, my youngest, yes. I mean, I, while I'm over here, I've been tasked to buy presents and souvenirs, otherwise I'm not allowed back in the country. So this <laughs> You're not allowed back in the country <laughs> at all well, anyway. True, true, true. <laughs> I'll be banned from multiple countries by the oh. I think. Well, Trev, Trev, you've been in the UK now for what, just over 24 hours or so? Um, yes. After undergoing a period of real-time travel because you were yes. travelling back along the dateline as you were travelling towards the UK. I think I lost some time there, didn't I? I, I, I sort of left... Tuesday and ended up here Wednesday morning. I, I've sort of skipped like 24 hours somewhere. Yeah, there was a time when you were actually arriving before you left, something like that. It's yeah. timey-wimey, timey-wimey. I, oh, I was going to say, I was going to ban that phrase. <laughs> but but you've said it now, so... Yeah. Oh, well, and, and as we recalled, we're sitting in a... In a hotel in Cardiff, having just gone to the Doctor Who experience. So um, my, my first question to you, which is going to have about three different themes here, but... Uh, <laughs> What's it like in the UK? What do you think of Cardiff? What did you think of the Doctor Who experience? That's three questions, actually. Cold, cold and awesome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to get any more detail than that? Well, it, it's only been 24 hours so far, but it, it's been great so far. I mean, I, I mean, we've just crammed so much in a day. I mean, we've been to London. I'm staying near James's place. It's been really awesome. Had a wonderful home-cooked meal last night. And then we jumped on a train to, to Cardiff this morning and, 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 and now we're here and looking at Doctor Who locations and the shrine, the Cosmode <laughs> shrine. Yeah, you were quite surprised at that, weren't you? Well, when you see a pair of um, slightly dirty underpants hanging off the side of a wharf, <laughs> one cannot help but be surprised. This is the shrine to Yanto Jones, who, uh, according to some of the messages left on this shrine, said it was five years since the shrine had actually been put in place, which means it's at least five years since children 
of Earth in Torchwood, which means that time has just disappeared. I've done nothing in those five years. That, that whole shrine is terrifying. It was terrifying <laughs> two, three years ago. It is more <laughs> terrifying now. And I say this as someone who has flown around the world in, in fandom for my show, and even I think that's going too far. Yeah. I, I think what it needs, though, um, it, it needs a facelift, because I mean, sure, it must be heritage-listed right now, surely. <laughs> it, it's been sewn... I mean, all the, all the photos are faded, and the underpants are slightly... I don't know, what do you call it? Dirty, Trevor. Dirty. 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 Yeah. <laughs> you seem particularly fascinated by the underpants, Trevor. Well, they do stand out. That's, that's the first thing you see. There's a sea of photos, but in the middle is a pair of underpants <laughs> with a picture printed on the front <laughs> of them. Of Yanto Jones. <laughs> I wonder what Gareth Lloyd... Is it Gareth Lloyd David, I think, is the actor yes. there? I mean, what does he really make of that? Now, I'm sure he must have been asked many, many times at conventions, but I've never heard an answer, I have to say. But how does one get that photo in the first place? You, you walk up to the actor and go, oh, I want a photo of you because I want to screen print them onto a pair of underpants. You probably don't tell them that much yeah, detail, detail yeah true. probably yeah, not yeah, certainly yeah, yeah. I didn't when I get picked anyway never mind um, <laughs> <laughs> what they need to do is bring him back and then kill him again well why not can refresh the shine but they've done that with Jack several times already but uh, but there we go we're talking about more Torchwood on this show than I think we've ever done yes, yes. <laughs> but uh, I, I, it, it does seem a bit odd I think if I were a tourist you know in, in, in Cardiff and there are quite a number who don't come here just to see Doctor Who locations weird, what on uh, you, you genuinely think Someone has died, and you know, in a tragic way, because this 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 tribute this tribute is not is not small. No, it's, you know. it, it it takes up the entire wall on one part of the wharf there, and yeah, it really looks like a real person has died. Yeah. But it's only a fictional character in a mediocre TV series. And, it, and, and there's a bunch of people who were there. Well, it, it was us this afternoon, just kind of laughing and pointing yeah. and going, Way, you know, at a shrine. Well, yeah. there's all the little shops and, you know, cafes around there. And I'm sure everyone was looking at us going, oh, more of those Doctor Who nuts. Yeah. Well, Weeping I, over a pair of underpants. Well, in, indeed. I think that happened as well when we went and had a burger in the diner that mm. was used in The Impossible Astronaut. That's yes. right, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And this this is where the doctor comes through the door with Elvis on the front from the restrooms, yes. and uh, yeah, that no, that was good. So, what was it like having lunch in a in a real Doctor Who location? Something I'm assuming you've not done before. Well, no, I haven't. No, I mean, I, I felt like I was in a Hungry Jack's anyway because it was like fifties themed anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, instead of the TARDIS back there, they've they've oh. turned the doors into like a TARDIS picture or painting or whatever. So, I mean, you get that same sort of feel. But they put Marilyn Monroe smack bang there facing Ooh. towards the TARDIS door which is odd because that conversation took place in a Christmas carol obviously not fans that have maintained this no obviously not you, could, could you be suggesting that the fast food outlet is cashing in on the fact that Doctor Who was filmed there five years ago they are not worthy of the diamond logo <laughs> not worthy at least two other people who were there groups of people were also clearly Doctor Who fans so I'm not sure how much business they get that's not Doctor Who related oh, now the only people that would go there would be people that want to sit in that booth like we did I mean guilty guilty we sat in the booth and, and and you couldn't stop talking about straws. So I mean Well that's because you didn't get my reference to straws. That's no, why, you see. That list says everybody gets my list. Look, the straws, the impossible astronaut, look, send in emails, feedback at the Doctor Who Podcast.com if you get the reference to straws in the impossible astronaut. Oh god, you're gonna be flooded now, aren't you? Well, there we go. There we go. Anyway, now that we've had a um I don't know how long it's been. How long has it been since season eight has ended? A couple of weeks since yeah, Death in yeah, Heaven. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. pretty much. So this, this is the first time we are recording together 
without having an episode to review. And uh, now that you've got a little bit of distance and you can see the whole of season eight as a whole, I mean, do you, have your views changed at all? I mean, what, what did you think of this season of Doctor Who, Ian? Uh, for the most part, I thought it was okay, but nothing spectacular. Didn't hate it as much as many people, many people in this room, in fact, did. Um <laughs> I, I, for most of the part, I found the stories to be average, you know, story of the week type stuff. There was one or two that, that stood out as being particularly good. Uh, Flatline, I thought was excellent. Really, really mm. liked Flatline. Um, but most of the rest were all right uh, or good in places and bad in others. None of them really stood out as being a fantastic episode. There was, but with the possible exception of Flatline, there was none of them that I thought, there's a classic, there's one I'll come back to, there's ones I would quote or, mm. you know, do posters for or any of that kind of stuff. There's, there's no blink here. There's none of those kind of stories at all. You do posters or, for them? No, yeah, there's, there's certain stories you go back to and you think about and you remind. You tell people, oh, have you seen that one? There was none of those. There, there was yeah, no stories right. at all. This I can't think of any of them that I would, you know, in two years' time, really want to go back and pull out the, the DVD box set and go back to. Yeah. If I was doing a marathon watch, yeah, but none of them stood out. See, and that, that, that was the shame for me. I was waiting for one really stonking story. It never came. It, it's a shame for me too because I mean most TV series in the way you've just described them I'd be fine with that because most TV series I watch are disposable and it's okay to have a season of okay stories I mean you enjoy them you know they're, uh, some you don't like but Doctor Who's different it, it's on a, I mean certainly for us it's on a different level I think and when you get a series full of in my opinion okay stories then that's a double blow because it's Doctor Who and they should all be pretty 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 <laughs> awesome but yeah I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much with Ian I mean I, I was I just think the season was very inconsistent, very haphazard. It didn't seem like there was much planning. The resolutions to all the, the what do you call it, um, arcs and whatever, weren't as strong or that you know they weren't as well thought out. Mm. And yeah, and, and then we got the end of the season, which which is well documented on our show. On the <laughs> no, that's true. I mean, I, I've got to say, I think I probably got the most positive view, uh, aside from Leeson, obviously, because he's not, he's not here, neither is Tom. But um, I, I really enjoy season eight, and I would rank this as probably the strongest season since the show came back in 2005. Wow. Uh, for, for me, there were three notable exceptions. The finale, I was very disappointed by, and I've still got some questions, which we may discuss a little bit later, perhaps, um, that I've never, or I still haven't heard satisfactory answers to. Um, Robot Sherwood, which I think could have just fitted into pretty much any Matt Smith season. Yeah, and yeah, it wouldn't yeah. have been any any, mm. any strong. It, it was okay. Um, I'll go along with Ian's surmise. It, it was just okay or that particular episode. And I, I really wasn't very keen on Deep Breath. And um, I, I, I think there may be a couple of reasons for that. I mean, I, I haven't actually spoken about it on the podcast, but I saw that at Leicester Square, uh, the, the Odeon. It was a huge event. Loads of people. It was a complete sellout. Um, it, we were watching it in the company of Stephen Moffat, Peter Capaldi, Jenna Coleman, Zoe Ball as well. And it was it was a really big spectacle. And it just didn't really kind of live up to the billing of a, of a feature-length that, episode. So. That's the thing for me. I mean, last year we had you know the anniversary special on the big screen and all that sort of stuff. And that kind of warranted going to the cinema and seeing it. Yeah. So yeah, then yeah. BBC Wales or whatever decided, hey, we'll do it again with the season premiere. But it's not at that same level. I mean, I, I feel the same way about this premiere as I did about last year's one. The one where he drove the bike up the side of the building. What was that called? Bells of St. John. Yeah, 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 hmm. yeah. I mean, that, that, that was a weird season opener for me as well. It, Deep Breath and St. John's are kind of cut from the same cloth for me. That I was kind of left a bit bewildered by both of them. I do wonder at what stage they knew they were going to go on the cinema, you know, 
route or go down the cinema yeah. route again with this because it kind of felt like the story was there already and it was it was drawn out and lots of lots of debate has happened about the length of that episode already you know was it too long were the scenes deliberately longer than usual which Stephen Moffat denied incidentally at the uh, Royal Te- Television Society he said actually the scenes weren't any longer in season eight than they've been in previous stories I, I don't agree. I think he's wrong. I think there have been much more time taken over the pacing of we these stories. The we did, agreed. And lots of other people did. Yeah. But Moffat said that's actually not the case. If you time the scenes, that isn't the case. Oh, sorry, um, I didn't sit there with a stopwatch. <laughs> it's not just about the length of the scenes, it's the pace of the scenes. Yes. You can have the same length of scene, but put less dialogue into it, let it breathe a bit more, yeah. and that would give you that slower pace, which is... I think what people are seeing. Well, yeah. The, uh, the, the biggest problem I had with Deep Breath was just how familiar it was. It was just another Paternoster Gang Moffat story that was just very, very familiar to many stories we've seen over the last few years. And it's just, uh, I'm, I'm a bit bored of it, really. It wasn't a bad story, but it was just the same old thing again. And particularly since it was the new Doctor and the new series and all the expectation to just get this very familiar rut. And maybe that was deliberate. Maybe they were trying to ease people into the new Doctor by using something familiar. Mm. But for me, it was just... Uh, and, and the Strax joke has finally worn thin for me. Oh, yeah, no, I uh, agree. It was just... I agree. More, uh, you know, it was just nothing new. And I thought that was disappointing. The Doctor, I think, was very new. I don't think... I don't. I mean, with the eleventh hour, for example, I remember watching, thinking, I can hear David Tennant say these lines, particularly the stuff, you know, the, the comic kitchen scene where he's spitting out apples or uh, custard or whatever yeah. it was, you know. Now, I, I, I could see David Tennant doing that scene quite easily, whereas I couldn't see Matt Smith acting in the way Capaldi did in Deep Breath. And for me, yeah, you're right. It was formulaic. There's no question the story was formulaic, but the Doctor was not. Actually, Eleventh Hour is exactly what I would like to get out of a new Doctor's first story because um, a couple of years back I marathon watched all the way from Rose through to about season six or something like that with my kids because they hadn't seen them. And we went all the way through the Tenant era right up to end of time, I'll say it quietly. Um, (laughs) And, you know, you had the whole RTD thing. And when you got to Eleventh Hour, there was a very, very perceptible gear change in the show. And it wasn't just that Matt Smith came in. The whole structure of the show, the whole context of the show, the backstory, everything shifted. Hmm. All the sort of torchwoody stuff was abandoned, all the sort of unit stuff that RTD had been dragging on, the the rows, all this stuff, all the baggage that RTD had been dragging around increasingly towards the end. All suddenly ejected, completely new setting, and it was very, very fresh. And two or three stories into that series, you know you're in a new era. And that hasn't happened with Capaldi. For all Capaldi is different, the show is the same. And that's what I'm really looking forward to. It's just that gear change. Just mix it up, do something different. Well, I, I like the fact that this new Doctor is different from the last new Doctor. And I, I, I'm glad, in a way, that we haven't got just the same kind of refresh. It is a refresh, but it's in a slightly different way. But, uh, but in, in, in terms of the entire season... You said that there wasn't any standout episodes for you. Was there one that you enjoyed more than the other? I know you mentioned Flatline, but were there any other highlights as well? Flatline was very good. Uh, Orient Express was good fun. You know, maybe a four out of five. Um... Trevor can't stop moving around, by the way, listeners. That's exactly all the, the noise. I'm doing in person as I do at home. Uh, I for a drink every five yeah, but we can't see you then, you see. <laughs> that would explain why you don't respond to all our points. He's just walked off. <laughs> anyway, c- carry on, Ian, who's actually stayed in one place. I wasn't bored, honest. <laughs> Thank you, Trev. <laughs> <laughs> Time Heist was a good romp. Again, maybe a four out of five. So, yeah, there was some fun bits in it. 
Um, but they they were just fun. They weren't, you know, classics. There was no classics. I think Listen was an absolute phenomenal story. I know it was very, very cheap, and that was the intention. But uh, I, I think the style of that story... And all of the suggestion. I know you didn't like it, Trevor, no. but I, I think that was an amazing piece of television, I and think, I enjoyed as that I said very in much. My review, I totally agree with you mm. until the last fifteen minutes, at which point it dives off a cliff and undoes all the good work. Well, it's, it's actually interesting you say that. So again, I don't want to go over the same the same stuff, but uh, the, the, until the last fifteen minutes, we've heard that quite a few times this season. Is that people have enjoyed episodes? In fact, Trevor, you said this about Death in Heaven, but everybody's forgotten it. Yeah. Is that you actually enjoyed the story until the last fifteen minutes yeah. and rewatch. Watching that again recently, I'm I'm completely with you. All of the stuff that I am unhappy with is in the last 15 minutes. But the first 45... Everyone you, forgot that, you, I, that I said at the beginning of my review, I was with the story yeah. until the last 15 minutes. I, I was happy with what... I mean, it was probably a little bit silly, Yeah, the, the Simon and Rain, but that you just accept that because the master or the mistress has done something to make it happen. Yep. I was fine with that, but yeah... Just, all the negativity out there in Doctor Who podcast land and Doctor Who fandom <laughs> land has, has been over the last 15 minutes and our reaction to it. Yeah, well, that's fine. I mean, and I, I, I listened back to our review uh, on episode, what was it, 284? It seems like ages ago now. And I, I look at some of the comments we've received. I've been expecting to hear myself criticise the programme and not give reasons as to why. And it didn't happen. There are actually clear reasons as to yeah, why I didn't yeah. like particular points. And, and I'm going to try and summarise them succinctly now again I haven't given Ian or Trevor any warning of this but tell tell me if I'm missing something obvious here and the same goes for you listeners how is Danny able to send a dead child back through a portal into Clara's bedroom at the end after he's set fire to the sky and basically saved everybody because it's a beautiful moment it's not meant to make any sense well is it? I mean, are we just missing something? The bracelet had the power to reunite your consciousness with your body, which is how they got turned into Cybermen. There's some... I don't know how the, the body wasn't a rotted, emaciated corpse from the ground, but yeah. frankly, that's probably less of a uh, hand wave than them all turning into Cybermen, quite frankly. So I don't understand how a five-year-old child would be turned into a full Cyberman either. Um, but where, and, and where was had, he? He had been in the... The nether, sphere. The, the nether sphere. But that had been closed down so before it, that scene. It, it, it was closing down and it had power to just do one more thing. But there one was there was tenant burning up the sun. Yeah. 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 But yeah. does that mean yeah. does that mean that everybody who had died and had gone to the nether sphere was still there in the nether sphere until it had closed down and Danny was able to use that bracelet to choose to send someone back. Just one back, yes. So they've all died again. You probably felt it all the time. So Danny, let's just get this absolutely clear. Danny is dead, isn't he? There is no way. He is now well, caput. He's, he's, I don't he's think he can be dead, he's still in the about that. He's still in the nether sphere, and by implication, the nether sphere is gone and everyone's trapped in it. But who knows? Love may still conquer all. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which certainly certainly seems oh, to be the case. Dear. All right, okay. Question Maybe num- Santa will do it. <laughs> <laughs> or Jeff. I'll leave that one. Trevor, I've lost, <laughs> I've left lost Trevor and Ian. The listeners are with me. It's a reference from A Christmas Carol. Is that like the straws thing? No, it's, it's even more... Oh, never mind. Never, I want to go back to recording when we can't see each other. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, we should put up some walls between us. Good idea. Good idea. Now, what was the other question I had? Um, 
this was concerning the Brigadier. Yes, now we've all voiced our various opinions about um, this. I think we all agree it was intended to be a nice thing. It was intended to be a homage either to the character or indeed the yes. actor. Yeah, I did, I did like that it had the black cyber leader handles. If you're going to do it, that was a nice touch. But the cyber but leader. That's all at the did only. They, did they go that far yeah, to make it, me do a cyber leader? It actually had the little black handles of a cyber leader. Oh, wow. And I thought, but if you're going to do it, that's a nice touch. Okay. Don't do it! <laughs> but, but, <laughs> what's happened is, is, the cyber, is the brigadier flying around in a cyber man outfit? Well, is, is he a cyber man now? Does he still exist? Is he dead? What I mean, happened to all the other Cybermen? He blew himself up. Didn't they so, blow yeah, up? His consciousness when he died, along with every human being in history, apparently, was stored in the Nethersphere. Uh, his body somewhere was a skeleton in the ground. Through the strange magic of the Cyberman reign, the two got reunited and he was turned into a Cyberman. He then flew into the air and blew himself to pieces again. So where's the Brigadier's body now? Where's all the bodies? In a million pieces, having blown up the cloud. Like Andrick. Like yeah, Andrick. Like Andrick. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's what he was trying to replicate, the feel-good factor here, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that Eric Saber created oh, at the end of that Earthshock. Earth yeah, oh, there we go. It, it was rounds of applause to sort of <laughs> make up for the um, silence and the credits. OK. And <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the, the, the final scene then, where we have the Doctor and Clara lying to each other, essentially. Now, for me, I mean, I, I don't like it. I like the fact that they had a nice little intimate scene. They were mm. sitting down, ch- almost kind of emulated the cafe scene with the Tenth Doctor and Wilf, perhaps. But uh, was was it too clumsy setting up what's got to be resolved in a Christmas special through lying to each other? I, I thought we'd actually reached a point by the end of the story where they didn't need to lie to each other. But I, I don't know how to explain it, but with Danny Pink now dead and that part of the equation gone that they don't need to just flat out lie to each other anymore. They just need to get in the TARDIS and go and have adventures. Um, so I, I really don't understand why they're still lying to each other, why she feels guilty and that, yeah. that, that's never made any sense. I mean, the whole soldier doctor thing never really made a lot of sense to me anyway. Well, no, I wonder whether or not it was because Death in Heaven ended up going out the day before Remembrance Day in the UK, at least. I mean, was that really a coincidence, do you think? Because people remember fallen soldiers, was it supposed to be a? What do you think the whole season was leading up so they could do a tribute to I'm fallen reaching. soldiers by having former military people encased in cyber outfits and blowing themselves up? Kind of climbing out of the grave. I'm not also, entirely sure. That's a great message for Remembrance Day. Beautiful, <laughs> heartfelt tribute to our fallen soldiers. Yeah, but the yeah. thing is, had you, I mean, obviously the three of us didn't like it, but had and there were, there were lots of people out there actually who really enjoyed this episode and were really moved by the Brigadier character coming I, back. I, I, so I, I, would would it not be a good thing for them if you happen to like what they did? I I just can't get away from the fundamental thing of how they could possibly like it. How the desecration of a dead body can be seen as a tribute. Yeah, and I get that. I mean, I have to admit, I'm glad people like episodes of Doctor Who. Um, if I don't, then, then yeah, okay, I, I don't. And I say I don't, and I say why, but I'm not going to take it away from people who do enjoy it. I don't necessarily understand why they would see that as a as a good thing. But then again, we're old Who fans, you know? We've, we we remember the Brigadier from VHS days and possibly even from when he was on. Cybermen outside St. Yeah. Paul's. Yeah. yeah, well, 
Who knows? I mean, the... that's how he started his career. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Season eight, Trevor. I think you were, um, I don't know, going through your shopping or something when I asked Ian the question. Um, what episodes? What episode within season eight would you say really stood out for you for good reasons? What oh, did you enjoy I, the most? I'd, I'd probably have to say Flatline hmm. too. I mean, because it had a really interesting monster, and apart from the bit at the end where he pretended he was Matt Smith with that speech at the end. Um, oh, the I am the doctor. Yeah, I, I thought that was yeah. a bit weird, but um, but the episode was pretty good. I also enjoyed Mummy on the Orient Express, not because it was a good story mm. in itself, but because I think it was finally the the series was finally finding a way out of its mediocrity, and it was the story that I think started the the slight rise up in terms of quality and in terms of really interesting stories. Well, the story itself probably didn't engage me. I think that it was really chilling. It was frightening. Um, because Kill the Moon was before that, wasn't it? So, uh, yeah, yeah, when, yeah, yeah, episode five, yeah, Kill the Moon. Yeah. So, and Mummy was six or seven, I can't remember now. So, so I mean, around hmm. that time, there were some interesting stories they were putting out that sort of thought, well, maybe they're starting to rise up again. So, I mean, I'm kind of happy with that. Do you think, I mean, irrespective of quality of story, do you think the messages they've been trying to convey in the episodes this year have been a little bit more A, adult, and B, in your face? I mean, I'm talking about the, in hindsight, very clear pro-life agenda of Kill the Moon that we all missed when we reviewed it, incidentally. No one no one noticed that at all until the episode aired and we all went back and thought, ah, yes, it is there. I mean, is, is Doctor Who more adult this season? And if well, so, does it matter? We, we, I think at the time we did sort of notice there was the whole thing about... I don't know. Oh, it's... Busy executives, I tell you. There we go. <laughs> Tell Packer to call you back. Uh, it's actually my alarm going off to say that the parking ticket's about to expire. <laughs> ah, you Sorry, see, listeners, sense. Ian thinks I'm going to cut this, but um, <laughs> <laughs> this 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 is DWP live, no edits. This is what you get if we didn't spend so much time editing each week. Bonus points if you can recognise the song. No bonus points for me, sorry. How about you? <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't have a clue. No. Wouldn't have a clue. Anyway, so we were talking about uh, the pro-life agenda. <laughs> well, I think we picked up on it at the time to a certain degree in our review. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. Didn't even we didn't mention it. We had Kyle with us as well, and because he didn't we had pick the whole it up. Issue about you know deciding whether to kill a living creature and stuff like that. Yeah, but if you look at it, a case of saying there was it was a small group of people deciding whether or not to exterminate a life or not and all the rest of it. There's a very very clear mm. subtext there. Well, well, we must have dismissed it because we were too busy worrying about how only half the planet got the chance to vote. Is that's that me. your phone? That's, that's, that's me now. <laughs> I'm the You're one who says, there. "Has everyone got a anyway?" Never mind. Him. Um, what I think is a bit odd about it is that pro-life is not a massive issue in the UK. No, it's, it's true. It's, not, it's nothing like in America, for example, where it's a big hot-button topic. Uh, people get very worked up about it. It's very politically sensitive. It's not a big issue in the UK. It's not saying it's not an important issue or people don't talk about it, but it's not something that gets talked about. It's not, it's not a, an election issue at all. So it seems a strange one for them to be leading on because mm. in their core market... It's going to go past people. And frankly, in the American market, I don't think it's something you really want to be talking about. And that, I mean, I'm, I'm with what Michelle said a couple of weeks ago. And there's been a number of very sensitive topics touched on this season. Yeah. I think yeah. most of them have been done crudely um, and in such a way as to almost undermine the issues they're trying to discuss. And, and it, it's great that you've got Doctor Who talking about important issues. It's done that in the past and it's a good thing for it to do. But some of these subjects are very sensitive and they're not black and white and they're quite nuanced and 
if you're going to go there you've got to capture that subtlety you've got to capture that nuance because if you go into some of these issues crudely and bluntly you're, just, you're either going to misinform a lot of people or you're just going to really upset a lot so, of people well which other issues are you talking about i mean we've got pro-life in kill the moon the, the one that, uh, that particularly bothered me, and I talked about it in the review, was the medication of kids one in the... the oh, Forest, Forest of the Night, yeah, yeah. Uh, because they did a real Daily Mail run on that, of we're medicating all our kids and it's bad, and the doctor actually says it straight out, you shouldn't do this. Mm. And if you're at home with a child who has to take medication and that child says, oh, the doctor says that you're just not listening to me, that's going to be really tough for kids to try and deal with. And I think it's far too sensitive an issue to deal with in such broad strokes. You, you, either, you either have to do it carefully or don't do it at all. I Going think, in crudely, I think, was dangerous in some ways. I think they hit it well sometimes because, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of the opinion that they don't need to be detailed per se, but you need to at least put that seed in someone's head and get them thinking about the issue. But, yes, I do agree with you. Sometimes they do go too far, like with Capaldi actually saying, don't take drugs, kids. Yeah. Um, that went too far. But if you put the idea in viewers' heads that there are alternatives to medication which, which which of course there are um then that's something to get people thinking without actually telling them what to do but, but that's the subtlety and the nuance and mm. the nature of the show particularly the modern show where it's fast-paced and it's you know snappy dialogue doesn't lend itself to that kind of subtle nuance message it it's sound bites basically it, it works with sound bites and that's exactly what capaldi gave as a sound bite and you can't deal with such an important issue and the same with pro-life and many of the other subjects that have come up during this issue, uh, this season, you can't do them in sound bites because you fall into the Daily Mail trap of you know headlines that huh. you know scream out a message when there's there's a whole story behind it. And, and it's it's a bit of a distraction as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you know, fans of Star Trek Next Generation, there was usually some kind of moral there, which you know it does hit you very very hard. But at the same time, the characters are really really engaging, right? I I quite enjoy watching Doctor Who without trying to detect a moral or some kind of message, you know, or at least if, if, if when these questions are asked, it's usually fairly ambiguous. It doesn't try and conclusively answer it. And it felt like certainly Kill the Moon and indeed In the Forest of the Night, you know, there was a point of view being put forward there as opposed to an argument being raised. I suppose too, it's our adult eyes as well too. I mean, we're probably overanalyzing it. The, well, yes the, and no. The, the target sure. audience, I don't think is going to pick up on, I mean, certainly not the um, pro-life thing. I don't think they're going to pick up on that. Maybe the don't do drugs thing because it, it was a, it was much more blunt. Yeah, um, well, yeah. It, it was directly relevant. You had a, a school kid of the age of my son, for example, who does take drugs, and they, they were the same age, and it was the same kind of situation and the same. It was you know it it, it it didn't particularly affect him, but it could easily have done so because it was directly relevant. It was in the current era yeah, yeah. with a school child in a school group with teachers. And and they're talking to is exactly his scenario. It wasn't sort of an analogy or an alien world or anything weird and fantastic or which you have to maybe use adult eyes to leap through. It was directly there in your face. Mm. Oh well, okay. So if Doctor Who goes or continues to has have basically kind of mixed audience like this, you know, let's assume that the intention was just to tell a good story to start with, and that this this kind of undertone or the subtext really was just that it was there if you happen to notice it. Mm. Um, w- w- would you like to? see it handled differently? I mean, I'm assuming the answer is yes. I, I don't mind these issues being raised, but I'm, 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 as I said, I'm not particularly keen on having some kind of agenda pushed on the audience, no, you know? No, definitely not, yeah. yeah. There's nothing wrong with opening people's eyes, opening people's minds, as Trev was saying. But 
you have to open their minds and let them make a decision, yeah. not try and fill it with an agenda. That's tabloid journalism. Yeah, yeah. Mm. No, I tend to agree. I tend to agree. Okay, um, let's let's talk a little bit uh, about the development of, of of Clara this season because there has been lots of suggestions that actually we've got a new companion this season as well. <laughs> it just happened to be played by the same actress because there was basically no comparison at all between Clara as we knew her in the previous season and, and, and this year. I've really enjoyed watching Clara this year. Um, I, I do think they could have just started afresh, frankly. Mm. Um, but I, I think certainly she's been getting a lot of good lines. She's been getting a lot of humorous lines as well. Some of, I think, Moffat's best jokes have been given to characters other than the Doctor this year. And uh, that, I, I that, think that has to happen. Though. I mean, the the Doctor isn't a joking character this year. Well, no, that's true. Uh, a mean guy. I mean, well, it certainly comes across slightly more um, uh, less empathetic, I think. But if you look at listen again, look at that particular episode, the companion has more lines, more mm. dialogue than Capaldi, and I haven't counted them. That was something that Moffat said at the Royal Television Society, well, and apparently that hasn't happened. That's because it's yeah. a companion-based story. Mm. I mean, so many of the modern era are like that that, that, that: that companions get the lion's share because the stories are about them, not about the Doctor. And then you've got, yeah, you're right. And and I think, if you like, the, the arc this season was pretty much a story that both Danny and Clara went through in their relationship and their emotional journey. I mean, if you, again, look at, listen, both the Doctor and Clara met Danny as a child. Now, why doesn't he remember them? Or even, you know, have a, a, a slight memory of, of of this dream? Even if he writes all of the events of Listen Off as a dream or some kind of, um, you know, surreal memory or mm. whatever... Doesn't why doesn't he remember it as that? You know, would, would, was it realistic for him just not to have I any? Know, I, I can have a conversation yeah. with my son about going and cleaning his room, and he can't remember that five minutes later. Never mind twenty years. That's that's pretty standardy. Yes. <laughs> it's but, just not yours. But, but presumably, you don't terrify him when you say I mean, the the whole point of listen was that this was a terrifying experience for the young Danny, and was he really just delete all of that from his memory? Oh, I think that's what you're meant to believe that. Yeah, you know the script is meant to tell you that he was so young that he didn't remember it, but I think he was a bit too old in this one to to not remember it. I would agree, but I think it's there's credibility that it could happen. I mean, people can yeah. blank negative things from their mind, particularly as a child. I don't. I have any vague memories of my childhood. You know, people tell me things happened, even quite serious things, and I don't remember them. I just don't have those memories. So, uh, I I, th- I think it's reasonably credible. Um, but that is much younger than you, Ian. Thank you. James. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's a bit like when when Trev was, you know, nitpicking on the sort of the noisy pipes. Is that I, I I don't I think it's reasonable. I don't think it's an unreasonable point to make. Nit, Aust- nitpicking. Aust- I can't believe you don't have noisy pipes in Australia. No, we have very quiet pipes. Yes, none of them rattle. No, there's no plumbing yet. <laughs> Ian, is that your phone again? Oh dear. Okay. This is car talking to him now. So this... Come and feed me. <laughs> <laughs> this 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 is like an Ian trope here. Never mind, <laughs> Dudley. Hart. Well, I I think with Danny too, that um, I I don't think that was the end of his traumatic life. That he was still going through a lot of stuff even after that. So it, it would be more conceivable, perhaps, that he may have lost those memories in another sea of just being in foster homes okay. and whatever maybe perhaps, who knows let's, let's, let's give him that one how about the Orson Welles character then I mean if um, if Danny is dead as we you know determined that he was earlier on then how can he possibly you know spawn some kind of offspring with Clara well, let's to... roll out the cliche of time can be rewritten and just leave it at that yeah or, or she's already uh, 
carrying child. That's well, the theory, isn't it? No, it, I, I agree with that. More. Yeah, no, there was loads of post-it notes. Incidentally, I don't know if you saw it, Gary Gillette, it was a former editor of DWM, mm-hmm. had probably spent far too long in writing out loads of post-it notes in his office and putting them on the wall, and he tweeted it. It was a very funny picture. But one, one, of, the, um, one of the post-it notes in the episode said three, three months. months yeah. Now, lots of people are thinking, well, what does that mean, three months, you know? And, of course, that's the time, generally speaking, when you start telling people that you are pregnant, you have your scan after 12 weeks. So, is Clara pregnant? Ran for about three months, so, and the relationship was going sort of kind of from the beginning of the season. So. Yeah. But, I mean, funda- yeah. fundamentally, I don't care because I'm <laughs> completely fed up with Clara and oh, her relationship yeah. with Danny and all the rest of it. You, you started out this, this segment by saying that her character had progressed. And I don't think it has. I think it's regressed. Uh, I think in earlier seasons, she was a smart, intelligent, feisty character going out, taking the lead. I mean, starting in the Silent of the Daleks, where she was totally in command. Oh, no. Um, and the same yeah. with the, the Christmas one that followed it. And ever since, she's been this sort of slow decline of becoming less and less powerful a character. Mm. Until this season, she was awful. She was selfish. She was cowardly. Uh, she she was lying to people. Hang on, but that's she got nothing. Ta- that's still development. It, it might oh. be negative traits that they're showing, but she's it's... becoming a lesser and lesser character and becoming more and more irritating and more and more whiny. That's and, different. And, and that's different. Into the Adric camp of please just fire into. The <laughs> well, I, I think that's slightly different. I think if you don't like a character because she demonstrates negative traits, and that's a perfectly justifiable point of view to say I don't like her. But having said that. You know, ever since Rose, there have been negative traits in all of the companions. Rose was inherently selfish. She treated Mickey very badly. Look at the way Amy treated Rory. And, and again, it's okay to not like these characters, but for me, it doesn't detract from the fact that the character is more interesting. She, as far as I'm concerned, she's much more of a rounded companion than she was in season 7B. She's much more consistent, I think, too. And I also think Jenna's acting has really gone up a notch. And uh, I, 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 I buy her as a equal to the Doctor. If she can start looking people in the eye when she talks to them. You've got this thing about her looking Every you in the eye. Every promo picture is about her looking off into the middle distance. But Every she... single photo. But w- looking wistful and beautiful. Would you like Look a... Look people re- in the eye when you talk to them. <laughs> it's rude. Would you like a character... <laughs> <laughs> Ian's staring at me, by the way, from across, from across the... And now you look slightly uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be rude, Trev. <laughs> Would you like the character of Clara any better if she looked at <laughs> the Doctor? I, I think in some probably unintentional, ham-fisted way, her not looking people in the eye is a character trait of her lying. That, that, uh, yeah. that she can't look people in the eye so be, because she lies all Well, the she's time. not an honest character, is no, she? No, no, no. And, no. And, and I have to admit, I don't really understand that because most people's deep friendship is not based on a whole pack of untruths or stuff that you don't tell people. Mm. Now, that's what I find slightly unconvincing about her, but I still think the way that she's acting and her performance is engaging. The the scene at the beginning of Deep Water that turned out to be, oh, it's just a dream in a volcano or whatever it was. I I, I bought that. And her grief at Danny getting hit by a car, uh, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And that is totally independent of whether she's a nice or a unpleasant character. I buy her portrayal. I think she is doing a good job of acting the character that's given to her. What I don't buy is that the the girl who came out and saved every incarnation of the Doctor and said, you know, run you clever boy and remember me, then becomes the cowardly one in the forest where Danny had to keep reminding her to save the children or lying to the Doctor or lying to Danny. 
and it's just not the same character. It's not, no, I, and that's no. my problem: is that I, I just I can't see the through line of this character. It doesn't add up for me. Uh, whether even the, ignoring the fact that I like her or not, I just can't balance these two off. They're just not the same person. Yeah, and I, I don't disagree that her story has been very confused and it's been much more complicated, I think, than previous companions of uh, of Moffat's design. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I mean, pre- <coughs> presumably, and we are talking about... Oh, oh you, you know, Trevor, you got corrected severely. I think you announced at some point that it had been announced that Clara or yeah, uh, was no, leaving. I, I, Apparently it hasn't actually happened. And it was pulled up quite severely, yes. I know, oh, I in, know. in yes. very, very sharp language. Yes, 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 oh, yeah. yes, yes, yes. It's fruity. Yes. <laughs> fruity language. <laughs> but yes, it is actually true. Um, no, no one's announced that Jenna Coleman is leaving. Yeah. So I assume, and this is speculation because I do not know, none of us know, Trevor's proved he doesn't know, um, <laughs> I assume she is leaving at Christmas, which means her story will be tied up um, satisfactory or not remains to be seen it was tied up I, f- for all I'm not 100% with the whole line to each other thing it actually was a nice scene it was well acted it was well written it was a nice piece of drama a bit odd for Doctor Who but it, it was a good decent scene and there was closure and it settled and it landed and honestly I think you could leave Clara walking off down the high street I think that actually works it's no, not they can't do it, that they, it, they, 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 downer, they, they cannot it, leave well alone it I dramatically mean... works but no, they're going to come back to it again. And, again. you know, again. I'm sure love will conquer all again and Santa again. will bring Danny for Christmas and give it as a present to Clara. Maybe it'll be Handel's head in the box with Danny inside it. Oh, it could know, be Cyberbrick's head in the box. Yeah. Now, that would be yeah. a beautiful, <laughs> that would... heartfelt tribute to our fallen soldiers. Oh, goodness me. Yes. That would be like a David <laughs> Fincher, honestly, <laughs> directed. To merch shop Doctor near Who. you yes. soon as yes. Cyberman saluting. Nicholas Courtney's head, yes. Goodness me, They'll have swappable heads on the Cyberman doll. (laughs) You need to try and make certain that you retain some of the profits from that merchandising uh, idea, Ian. But but anyway, we've been talking for 40 minutes. And uh, as as, as we kind of said earlier, this is not going to get edited. So um, I'm just going to go and put this out tonight. Oh, dear. Even that thing I said at the beginning. Even that thing you said at the beginning. What did you say at the beginning? And that bit in the middle. And that bit, yeah. And my ringtone. That's all right. Well, we, all, we already know that Ian would have forgotten what you said anyway, true, true, <laughs> because yeah. he's not as young. Anyway, listeners, we will be back probably next week, maybe a little bit longer. We're not quite sure yet. Get your feedback in. We've already received a ton of feedback about what you thought about season eight. Have, have we received what could be described as a shed load? Shed load, yes. Yes, excellent. yes, yes, yes. Excellent. You thought that was a UK phraseology, well, or no, an Aussie phraseology. You stole it from me. No, no, I've always used no, sheds. No, you haven't. No, no. Anyway. Show me proof. <laughs> where I've said shed load in the past. First time you said shed load, I did. I said it before you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, Ian, <laughs> in the episode. Uh, uh, I don't even know how to follow that now. So thank you, everybody, and we'll speak to you again soon. And bye to Trev, and I'm looking him in the eyes as I say it. I'm still here, Ian. Yeah, I haven't left yet. <laughs> I'm looking him in the eye. I'm still here for over a week. I mean, okay, all right, yes. Yeah, bye <sighs> listeners, I'm enjoying the UK, it's fantastic. You could probably turn the temperature up a bit, but yeah, it, it's good. Bye.